Amen. That's the heartbeat, everybody. How's everybody doing this morning? Good? Everybody awake? Elbow your neighbor and say, wake up. Say, the more you pay attention, the quicker he'll get through it. Y'all know it's not true. All right, but anyway, we're going to follow the Spirit. I love it. All right, I'm so glad y'all made it in. You didn't let the rain, or call it showers of blessings, that you didn't let it keep you from the blessing of just being in the presence of God this morning. It's always a true joy. Love, love, and I give all praise to the Spirit for what He's doing, and to Christ the Son, and to God the Father for what He's doing in life. Our church, He's doing it. You may not be able to see it. Sometimes I can't see it, but I want to share with you, He is at work. And he is doing it. And I'm telling you, God is doing something in a unique and a special way. And we've got to remember, as I'm learning to grow in my faith, it, when God does it, it won't look like we probably thought it would have looked like or what it should look like. And so no matter where you're at in your faith journey, just, just, just rest in God. That's a, that's a word uh, for somebody. It's been a word for me is to rest in God, rest in what he's doing, leave the results up to him, just walk in obedience because God is doing a work. He's doing his work, and so he's worthy. He's the only one worthy. What a beautiful name it is. That song is awesome. All the songs this morning going along with our message and our series that we've been in, The Stone. We've been in the series, The Stone, and I have two more messages today, and then next Sundays uh, we'll conclude that, and then we are very excited. Pastor Henry and I have been working on a series. We're coming up on May, and we're going to be introducing that, and so we'll be talking about uh, the church, what, what is the church, what constitutes a church, and who are we to be, what are we to be, so as God and the Spirit of God brings us more in alignment and in tune of, of, of who we are, whose we are, what our purpose is, it's going to be a wonderful time together, so make sure you make plans for the month of May. Well, let's get into today, uh, the stone we have talked about when we kicked this series off, we talked about right out of the gate, the rejected stone, uh, and that the Bible, God established and made Jesus um, uh, the, the cornerstone, the chief cornerstone, we talked about the importance of that. If we're going to build our lives in a healthy way, in a God-honoring order, there's only one way to do it. There's only one stone. Uh, just as the builders would take stones years ago, they had to find that, that perfect stone to build the rest of the foundation off or things would be out of whack. And so you know as well as I know, if you're a believer, anytime you've tried to take matters in your own hands, build your life upon your own, um, things get out of whack. Uh, there's more hardship that comes to you personally, more hardship to your marriage, more hardship to your family. There is a way. There is a way to build our lives, and the only way is to build it up on Christ and Christ alone, and he is the only stone that will lead you to the throne of God we talked about. And so we said we respect him. Uh, you know, we don't reject him. And then we looked at Mary and saw how that we are to respect him. And then last week we celebrated that wonderful day uh, in history where he actually raised himself up from the dead, never to die again, that he is the risen stone. And this morning we're getting into that he is the rewarded stone, the rewarded stone. Now, what I want to talk with you about in this rewarded stone is we're looking at his life, but there is so much we see in it that there should be application uh, for us that we then begin to go, now wait a minute, he's called me to live like this. And wait a minute, he is going to receive honor one day by actually uh, not only himself being rewarded and the honor he's received, uh, but he's actually going to he's actually going to give out crowns one day, and he's actually going to reward me. And so what is that going to be based off of? And I want to tie all that together as we look at him as the model. None of it's about us. What is about us in this part is realizing that it's all about him and that the honor we bring and the glory we bring is becoming more and more like him in our faith journey and in our walk. And so let's get that straight this morning. And the takeaway is it's always, and please hear this word because a lot of us need to receive this, especially if you're trying to live for God. 
It's always worth, it's always worth following God's will for your life. It's always worth it. It's always worth following God's will for your life. Now, I know very well uh, that if you, and you know this too, if you try to live for Jesus and you try to live for the glory of God and you truly allow God to transform you into the disciple he wants to be and that's your desire's heartbeat, you are going to encounter opposition. You're going to encounter lies of the enemy. You're going to encounter the temptation to become lethargic, lazy, lay in the bed on a rainy Sunday morning, uh, you know, and take that day as your day to rest. And as I said, to the 9 o'clock, the danger in that is, is everybody's running, everybody's going wide open. If we're not careful uh, and we allow church just to become uh, a religious place and we look at the building as the church rather than the people, the ecclesia, the called out ones, we'll fall right into that same pattern and we'll run, run, run and we'll chase, chase, chase the things of the world, things of, uh, that, that aren't all bad, things of our family, things of our own personal desires and miss God because we're leaving God out and not prioritizing Him and then we're worn out and depleted and so when it comes to that one day that we should be energized because the joy of the Lord is our strength and we should be excited about coming together to worship Him because of who He is and what He's done, that's the day that the enemy will tempt us and say, you just need to rest in this morning. You just, I mean, you're just worn out, right? You're just depleted. So don't take Saturday to do that, right? Because there's so much you got to do and it's so important. You just take Sunday to do that. And so there's, there's a danger. There's a danger in that. And so when we look at Jesus, <clears throat> had Jesus been about his own self, his own agenda, then, man, we wouldn't even be here talking about Jesus, okay? We would not even be here to celebrate what we celebrated last week, and we even celebrate today that His mercies are due every day. So, take it from Jesus. It's always worth following God's will for your life. But it doesn't mean it's going to be easy. It's going to come with great opposition, complication, especially the more you decide to serve the Lord. But you've got to know there's a reward, and the Lord is making you stronger through it. And, 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 and so Jesus literally... For the joy set before him in hardship, pain, tribulation, he kept his eyes on the Father. He kept his eyes on being selfless. He kept his eyes um, literally on you and me and, and, and what God was going to reward him with. And we'll talk about that and, and as he honored God. And so it's all a part of a beautiful picture of full obedience, surrender, selflessness. And that's what we want to be today uh, as we follow Jesus. So we see how Jesus is rewarded, okay? I want you to look at Mark. We've been kind of following Mark's account um, through this series for the most part, but I do have other scriptures I will share with you that will show you clearly um, uh, the reward of Jesus. We see how he was rewarded, why he was rewarded. But in Mark chapter uh, 16 and verse 19 through 20, I want us to look here first at the number one way that we see after his resurrection uh, in that 40-day time period, how he is rewarded first and foremost when it's getting time for him to ascend up into heaven. It says, so then the Lord Jesus, after he had spoken to them, was taken up, everybody say taken up, taken up, thank you, into heaven and set down at the right hand of God. He sat down at the right hand of God. Now, the first reward uh, that we see uh, Jesus is rewarded with is a great seat of honor. That is a seat that is above all other seats. It is, it is a seat of, of, of honor sitting next to God the Father, the right hand. It represents the highest place of favor with God the Father, the highest place of honor. Um, scripture talks about the power and the sovereignty that it represents. And so he's sitting at the right hand of God. Uh, he is established 
uh, his plan uh, or God's plan on his life, for his life, and sitting at the right hand of God. He, Jesus sits, uh, we see biblically on the throne of his father David it talks about, but he was a king that was greater than all other kings. And because of that, God has brought him honor in sitting him there. David doesn't sit at the right hand of God. No other king sits at the right hand of God except Jesus Christ and Christ alone. And this is how God intended it from the very beginning. And don't miss this, guys. We, we must not miss this. The reason Jesus was able to get to that destination and that seat of honor is, is because he did it all the Father's way. He walked the way of the Father. Now, here's the thing. Many people, many believers, many of us will miss the seat of honor that God has for us if we fail to follow and walk in obedience of what he's calling and who he's calling us to be. We'll miss that seat of honor. And it's always worth it following God's will for your life. It's always worth it. See, There's pain that comes, but joy comes in the morning. There's hardship, there's suffering. Christ went through it more than anybody ever has, but he stayed focused. We're going to look at that. That's why God rewarded him with a seat of honor. Secondly, he rewarded him with a name above above all other names, a name of supreme authority, a name greater than any ever name voiced, a name, the only name that literally demons tremble at is the name of Jesus. No other name. No other name in the Bible, not the name of Abraham, not the name of Moses, not the name of Isaiah, not the name of Paul. At the name of Jesus, literally, demons shake and tremble. So he rewarded him with a name that's above all other names. Philippians 2, 5 through 11 shows us that. Let's read it together. It says this. Uh, so uh, have this mind. Everybody say mind. Have this mind among yourselves. Now, I want you to look around, all right? Because in this, for the most part, is your brothers and sisters in Christ. So just kind of glance around. This is among yourself. He's speaking to the church, not the building, the body of believers, the ecclesia, the called out ones. The, and so he, he said, among yourselves, have this mind, which is in yours in Christ Jesus, who through, though he was in the form of God, see, that means literally he had always been with God. He's the son of God. Uh, and, and, and he had always been with God. He was involved in speaking creation uh, into being, and a part of that is the Trinity. He did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. He wasn't about himself. He made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. That's a statement in itself that he took on humanity and all that comes with that. All that comes with that. You've got to die to yourself to take on the pain that's going to come with you by living in a sin-cursed world. The pain that's going to come with following the Father's will, you've got to know that there is a part of taking that on temporarily, and to do that, we must die to ourselves. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him. Here's his seat of honor. Here's his name above all names. And bestowed on him the name that is above every name. Look at the honor. So that at the name of Jesus, here it is, every knee, every human being to have ever been born, every knee would bow and will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, he says. And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now, so he's rewarded with the name of supreme authority. Now, we see why he's rewarded, though. And the reason that this is important 
is that the most powerful words, we talk about the most powerful words you could ever hear. Well, for a human being and a kid growing up, the most powerful words you can ever hear from your parent are those three powerful words of what? I love you. I love you. There's faith, hope, and love. The greatest of these is love. Well, the most powerful words that we can hear as a follower of Christ, and some will hear, but not all, and some could become a recipient of hearing these words today, depending on what you do with the truth of God's word. The most powerful words uh, we will ever hear out of the mouth of Christ as a believer are, well done, thy good and faithful servant. Well done, thy good and faithful servant. That's, that's the most beautiful words we can ever hear. Why? Because it's bringing honor to Christ and because it's bringing honor to God. That's the words we'll hear. Jesus, when he was on earth in his ministry, remember when John the Baptist baptized him and a dove descended down, a representation of the voice of God the Father and the Holy Spirit, and he said, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. Well, for us, we're going to have the opportunity to hear the same thing. Well done, thy good and faithful servant. So way too many want to honor, way too many people today uh, won't honor without sacrifice. You think back to the disciples of Jesus. Remember they were two. They were called the sons of thunder, James and John. And so they had this request. When Jesus was working in his ministry, they had this request. And their mom was a big instigator in this request and being a part of that. Uh, And so uh, what did they want? They wanted and she wanted them to sit at the right and the left of Jesus. And so right out of the gate, they show this selfishness. They probably didn't realize they were doing this, but they were. Right out of the gate, they show this selfishness. See, they have no clue what the cost is for that. They have no clue whose it is to give, and Jesus tells them that. But that's up to the Father in that. And so he himself, Jesus, is not even focused on that for himself with what God's called him to do and God's plan and God's will. is. He's just focused on bringing glory to God, nothing to do with himself. But they get caught up in themselves. They get caught up like we do many times before we judge them, and they're wanting to sit in a seat of honor. But they haven't learned the discipline of humility like Christ did. So they're already searching for equality with Jesus, but they don't even know the cost of what it's going to be to follow Jesus. And they learn that out in time. And so we've got to be careful with that. And that we're, we're seeking some type of honor when we're not walking in obedience and we're being selfish in what we are seeking. Now, I, can you imagine the rest of the disciples around when they made this request? Can you imagine the look on their face? I mean, I guarantee you they were like, I cannot believe they're asking. I cannot believe they're asking such a selfish thing. I can't believe. And can I tell you something where the disciples were at at this point in their journey as they were still growing, they were human like we are. The reason some of them were so probably mad and upset is, is because they didn't think of it first to ask it. You see, automatically jealousy set in. Well, what? what? Why am I not getting to sit there? What about me? And so all of them are being tugged at, and here's this, here's this example God's put right before them, just trying to walk before them. Here, here's this example that God's put before us. Have this mind in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. So the truth here is reward never comes without obedience. Reward never comes without obedience. Championships never come without discipline, hard work, and sacrifice. You look at the life of Christ. It wasn't a cakewalk for him. He did walk the hardest walk that anybody's ever walked. And the beauty in that is when we think our walk is hard and our walk will be hard because we're still in human form, 
Our walk will be difficult. Our walk will be hard as we follow Christ and totally sell out to him. We need to know that the walk's already been walked and that Christ walked it before us and that we, we can walk it as well. But it's a shame that many who claim the name Christian today display very little obedience, very little commitment, very little discipline, daily discipline, crucifying of the flesh, and very little sacrifice. And so many will never hear. And I do believe, and I'm not the judge, I do believe that some will make it into heaven and they won't hear these wonderful words, well done, thy good and faithful servant. So you don't hear the words, well done, thy good and faithful servant, for sitting idle and complacent and, 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 and not living for the Lord. Now, I will say this. It, it does cause me great concern um, that so many gamble with just getting in the door of heaven. You know, you, you know people like that, right? And you know, if you're honest, being flesh and, and we're, not, we, we're not a Pharisee, there's probably been a time in your life when you wanted to live for yourself, and it may be now that kind of that was your mindset. Well, I'm kind of going to live like I want to live, but as long as I make it in, as long as I make it in, I get to enjoy everything, you know. I get to enjoy everything else that everybody gets to enjoy. But the concern in that is, is, What's that based off of? What's the motive? Can a person truly be at peace in their heart with their motives being as long as I make it in and not be convicted by the Holy Spirit of God in them who wants to bring this mind that was in Christ Jesus as we grow in our sanctification and our walk? I don't think they can. So there's got to be a place of discomfort and a place of conviction for the Holy Spirit to work with if you are in that zone or that moment of your life to where you're just kind of complacently following Christ. And don't think I'm sitting up here and standing up here and judging you because I've been there. And there's times that the enemy still tries to pull me into that. There's times that the enemy whispers in my ear and goes, it ain't worth it. It's not worth it. The warfare is too great. You ain't got to be that radical about Jesus. You ain't got to be that crazy about him. You ain't got to be that burdened about people dying and going to hell. Just, you know, let some others carry the weight of that. Let some others carry the burden. But reward never comes without obedience. And so we want to hear those words, well done, thy good and faithful servant, for the glory of God, not even for our own glory. So this means we have to live as Christ lived to hear these words. So look at the life of Jesus. Jesus had to humble himself. And he had to die to his own will and his own desire, which required submission. Now, you look in Scripture, Hebrews 10, 7, and you'll see his entire life was orchestrated by God the Father. Well, the same God the Father that orchestrated the entire life of Jesus Christ is the same God the Father in Jeremiah 29, 11 that spoke a word, and it was for all people who would follow Christ, and it was based upon walking in obedience and that is that God the Father knows the plans that he has for you, and they're plans to give you a future and a hope. They're plans to get you to a place to where you become more like his son, and then honor can be given, the Bible says, where honor is due. But there's a price to pay. There's a price to pay for that. And so Christ submitted himself to the Father. All of it was orchestrated by the Father. Even him coming, leaving heaven's throne, stepping into human form to come to earth was the plan of obedience that God wanted him to have to God and to the Father. His life, his ministry, all of it was focused on the Father. He said in John 14, 31, that the world may know that I love the Father, and as the Father gave me commandment, even so I do. So what he's saying is this. I know the task at hand. 
Jesus had yet to, in human form, walk through the greatest hardship that he would encounter in walking to the cross. He had not encountered it yet, but he knew it was set before him. But it was a great, great challenge for him. It was not... It was not a cakewalk when the Spirit of God led him into the wilderness, Matthew 4 talks about, and Satan came against him to tempt him in such a way, after he had not ate for 40 days, to tempt him in a way to see the beauty of this world and take him up on the pinnacle and have the ability to give you the things of the world, being the prince of the world as Satan was, and to think, hmm, this is pretty nice here, and it would keep me from having to go through the pain, the suffering, the shame, and, and go through the cross, but he wasn't about himself. He, he, he was submitted. It is clear he was submitted. He was selfless. He died. It's what many of us need to do. And here's the thing I found. Because our flesh is unredeemed, guys, because we don't have a body, we don't have a glorified body, but we're going to get one. All right, when Jesus returns, and we'll talk about his return next week, the returning stove. But because we don't have that, that means we got to get up every day and say to this old flesh is, you're not going to dominate my life today. You're not going to win today. I'm not going to follow the, the, you. I'm not going to follow the sinful temptation. I'm not going to follow the temporary pleasure that comes from sin. I'm going to deny myself, take up my cross, and follow Jesus. I'm going to crucify the flesh. Well, this is what God mod- I mean, what Jesus modeled. Every day, he got up in human form, and he died to himself. He died to it being about him. He died to his own personal agenda to carry the message. Get this to carry the message of his father, and he became so in tune with the message of his father, he became that message. Let that sink in. Jesus became so in tune with the message of his father that he became that message. Are y'all following me here? What does that mean? It means this. Had Jesus been like the average churchgoer, He would have only been in tune with the message the Father had for him one or two days a week. He would have only been in alignment and in tune with the message and will of the Father one day a week. Right? No. Every day. Every day. He was in a line. He aligned himself to the message. So what does that mean? It means that. Following God and the Father's will and literally bringing worship to God was a lifestyle, not a tack on once or twice a week. He became that message. He who knew no sin became sin that we might have the right to become sons of God. So the question for us and then the application we apply is, what does this mean to you? What is following the Father's plan and will for your life? Is it a one-day tack on during the week? To where that's the only time that you maybe look a little bit like Jesus and have this mind of Christ? That we die one day a week? Or is it a lifestyle on Monday at work, on Monday at school? Is it through the week? Is our life totally devoted to, wait a minute, I can't lose track here like so many people are. I'm living for Jesus. Somebody in this office needs Jesus. Somebody in the eighth grade needs Jesus. Somebody as a senior needs Jesus. And a lot of them evidently, right? So, God's given me a platform, my life's to be used for him, not for myself, not for selfish gain, not to build a selfish empire, not to neglect God or put anything before him. So the application here is to be like that and for us all to have it, and God knows I need more of it, but here's the application. Humility, obedience, and sacrifice always lead to alignment with God. So when you look at your own life, to to apply that application, 
Is there humility in your life? Is there daily obedience in your life, in my life? Is there sacrifice? See, because that's what God took in the life of Jesus that all led. And that's why he said, have this mind which was in Christ Jesus, who did not consider equality with God a thing to be grasped. Well, that's humility. That's humility. Obedience. He humbled himself as a bondservant. That, that's humility. Even knowing he was going to encounter persecution and pain. <laughs> and let's just get honest here. Let's just take that church mask off. Our persecution and pain is what? Go to my neighbor next door, two doors down, and tell him how God's changed my life? Go to my neighbor two doors down and invite him to church? You know the cost of that, Pastor? Yeah, because I fight the same enemy that doesn't want me doing the same thing. You see, there, there's, always, there's always a dying to self to bring honor to God. And I promise you what brings more honor to God is not believers showing up and looking at the same old people year after year and studying the Word of God more. What brings more God more honor is, is them looking outside themselves, being the true ecclesia called out ones, being the hands and feet of Jesus, and getting a holy conviction and burden about somebody far from Christ that they can be filled with Christ. Amen? That's, that's, what, that's what moves the heart of God. That's what displays humility, obedience, and sacrifice and alignment with God is the heart of Jesus. And that was his whole heartbeat. Everything he did was exactly what the Father wanted him to do and say. He even said of himself in John 12, 49, I, don't, I do not even speak on my own initiative. I don't even speak on my own initiative, but the Father himself who has sent me um, has given me commandment what to say and what to speak. Whew. I want to get into a place in my spiritual walk and my walk with God that not only am I, not only am I uh, talking about Christ, I'm becoming like Christ. Do you get that? No, I, don't get me wrong. I'll never be Christ. There's only one Jesus, only one Christ, but people will look at me and I, and I may be the only Jesus they ever see. But because they haven't seen me with a mask like the Pharisees wear, because they haven't seen me with a judgmental spirit, because maybe of the things they're doing that, they, that, that people would judge them for, because maybe they're, when they see the, 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 the grace of God, because I'm reminded of how dirty I was, I'm reminded that God didn't pass me by, and so when I see the people of the world, regardless of what they're doing, I don't turn my nose up at them. I don't look at myself and say I'm so much better or even give that off. Sometimes we give that off because we're unsensitive to really how people are made to feel and how the devil's working them over. So you've got to remember this. When the, when the devil's doing everything to keep you from sharing Christ with your lost neighbor, your lost immediate family member, your lost extended family member, Holy Spirit's doing everything inside that lost person to make them want to hear truth. But the devil's telling you they don't want it. They don't want to hear it. But I'm telling you, God's at work, the Spirit's at work, faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word, but how in God's name will they hear about a man who can change their life if we don't open our mouth? if we don't extend our hands of service, if we don't lead them to the truth and lead them to the gospel and lead them uh, to get in uh, to see that God can change their life. So here's the truth about this alignment is as God works in our heart. Here's the truth about humility, obedience, and sacrifice. As you walk in these three, here's what happens. God removes your heartbeat, my heartbeat, and replaces it with his heartbeat. And then we get over ourselves. 
The reason we do not share our faith and get a burden for others and share with them is we're too much about ourselves. You know, kind of like that kind of concept. The reason when you walk up and you meet somebody the first time and they tell you who they are and you tell them who you are, and five seconds later you go, "Now what was their name? What was their name?" It's not just your memory, all right? Because I got some timers too, all right? And but 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 what it is 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 you more concerned about what you're gonna say and what you're gonna look like to them than you really are about who they are in their name. Many times, right? Because we want to be impressive, we want we want to look good to them, and so we've got to be careful in that. So humility, obedience, sacrifice lead to alignment with God. Jesus modeled that. So here's the truth. Since Jesus was walking with the heart and mind of humility, obedience, and sacrifice, I love this truth. Some of us need to receive this. I know I did. It was good for me. Since Jesus was walking with the heart and, and mind of humility, obedience, and sacrifice, he could leave the results of the impact up to his Father. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying too many times we are focused on the results or we are motivated by the results of our walk. Too many times we're focused on the results of, well, if I am going to do this and follow the Father's will and plan with all this persecution, I've got to see some results. Got, and I know how that works. Results encourage us, but I'm telling you, if you're too focused on the results, you will miss the heartbeat of God. Jesus wasn't refocused on the results. He was focused on being obedient to the Father's plan. If he had been focused on results, then at the cross, he might not have been able to pray the second part of that prayer, nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. Because he didn't even see his own disciples around him. Whew, that's a word. That's a word. Chris, that's what you and I were talking about a little bit earlier even in that. That God wants to bring us to a place in our faith to where we know that Christ is enough even if our own family leaves us. Even if it means our life, that's how a martyr dies for their faith and doesn't cow down in fear and run away. That it's Jesus plus nothing minus nothing. And yes, we're grateful for those that God sends along to encourage us. But Jesus, listen, everybody walked away from him. Everybody. The three that he had been pouring into the most couldn't even stay awake and pray for him in his hardest moment because they were so selfish. They were so selfish. But you know what? <laughs> it's always worth following God's will for your life. It's always worth it. Even in the times of having to walk alone, you just walk obediently, sacrificially, in humility. Leave the impact up to the Father. Leave the results up in God's time into the Father. Jesus was simply walking in authority that was given to him, even though it wasn't always simple. I want to make sure we hear that. Just because Jesus left heaven's throne and was God, nowhere did he get a pass on it, meaning it was going to be easy. He walked a harder road than anybody's ever walked, like encountering Satan personally, which probably no one in here has ever done. Like encountering the demons, which we all have in here encountered, especially if you're a believer. If you're a non-believer, the demons are the ones going to be trying to tell you, not today, not today next week when you don't even know there's going to be a tomorrow or an afternoon for you and the bible says today's the day of salvation but the demon not today now don't turn it over you have to give up this this and this it was very challenging for jesus facing the pharisees that he wanted to punch rather than just in righteous indignation turn the tables over 
facing hypocrisy that he saw, facing the lukewarmness that he saw that still grieves his heart today when the church becomes lukewarm, makes him want to puke, Revelation talks about, facing the Garden of Gethsemane alone, facing the cross and being totally alone. It was no cakewalk for him. It was not easy. It is the hardest life. It's the hardest walk anyone's ever had to walk, but he did it. He did it because God had spoken it, and his life was devoted to God. His life was devoted to the fulfillment of the Old Testament. Matthew 21, 14 says that literally uh, Christ obeyed it completely. Now, this took place that was spoken through the prop that the prophets might be fulfilled in what they had said. Matthew says 10 times where he lived exactly to the Scriptures, predicted in order that the Scriptures might be fulfilled. And so that was the life of Jesus. He settled it down to the T. Uh, every jot and tittle that the Father laid out in his plan, he performed. Therefore, God has highly exalted him. Therefore, God's highly exalted him. So here's the goal. The goal is living out our lives for Jesus and all for the glory of God. This is how Jesus learned to live, and we are called to do the same. Now, let me say this real quick. There's a lot of learning going on in our churches today. There's a lot of learning. There's a lot of people getting together to study the Bible. There's a, there's a lot of meetings taking place. But it is not learning that is bringing honor and glory to God. Hear me well. Hear me well. You say, what are you talking about, Pastor? Isn't it great when believers come together and, and study the Word of God and, and they get another 50-minute lecture and, and they hear about the Word of God and they're more educated and they get the knowledge of the Word of God? Only if it motivates them to love and love becomes the priority. And they're going out in the highways and hedges and telling people to come in and reaching the lost. Otherwise, it makes Jesus want to puke. Hear that? I know it's not our heartbeat as a church. It's not our heartbeat as elders. And we're going to do everything we can to equip you as a saint to do the work of ministry. But understand the work of ministry is kingdom impacting to those who don't know Jesus that are far from God, that need to be filled with the life of God, just like we were when we didn't have God. And we're still growing in God. So the, the, what I'm trying to say is this. If you're looking for a church for the next 15, 20 years of your faith journey that'll come in here and teach you the Bible, where you know a little bit more about the Bible, you get knowledge. You know what the Bible says about knowledge? Knowledge puffs up. You know what it says about love? Love builds up. What does that mean? There's too many people sitting out there having Bible study, and they're getting the knowledge. And, 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 and they're getting a little metal on their spiritual armor, but it is in no way leading them to have the compassion that Christ had when he saw the multitude scattered. It is in no way leading them to do, as I've seen God do in the working life of this church, to take into orphans, to take care of the widows, to become biblically obese, to become salt and light to a dying world. So I'm just telling you, if you're looking for a church that's just going to give you what you need to fit you and a 50-minute Bible lecture that never requires you to get a burden about your lost neighbor, never requires you to become the hands and feet to support orphan ministry, never requires you for your heart to be moved to pray, give, and go to reach an unengaged, unreached people groups, unengaged, unreached people groups. This is not the place. I'm just telling you in all love. This is not the place because we are want to be a church and we are striving to be a church that is led by the Spirit of God, that has the heart of Christ, that is walking in humility, obedience, selflessness so that God can be honored. That's the heartbeat of God is learning that all for the glory of God. So Jesus learned obedience 
as a human experientially, so we would all have an older brother. See, some people say, what, Jesus had to learn? Yes, he had to learn, just like we have to learn, because he took on human form. Hebrews 5.8 says this, um, although he was a son, he learned obedience from the things which he suffered. You know the greatest learning in your life, you know where it's going to come from if you're a believer? From the hardest times in your walk. From the suffering in your Christian walk. From the greatest times of testing that come against your marriage. And instead of responding like the world or responding like Oprah might tell you to respond or responding like your friend at work might tell you to respond. It's about as spiritual as a grapefruit, I'm sorry, you know what I'm saying? But, but it's not walking in the word and the counsel of wisdom. You've got to go back and say, wait a minute, Lord, I want to learn obedience. I, I don't want the flesh to dominate me. I don't want to die barely making it into the kingdom of God, but being more consumed with the temporary pleasures of sin. I don't want to die as a church member who sits isolated, lethargic, watching uh, others do the work and carry the load and barely get in by the skin of my chinny-chin-chin. I don't want to do that. So we know Jesus did not learn obedience because he was disobedient. So why does he earn obedience? He learned obedience as a human so that he could sympathize and empathize with our weaknesses as human beings. That's what the Bible talks about in Hebrews 14, 15. We have a high priest who can fully sympathize and empathize with our situation. We do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, Hebrews says, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. So here's the truth in conclusion. When we come to Christ for help, we know that he will be sympathetic to our needs. So when you're trying to live this Christian life, when the enemy of hell is coming against you, when the enemy's whispering into you, it ain't worth it. When the enemy's whispering into your ear, you should have done this today, rather than come together corporately with the believers. When the enemy's whispering in your ear, ah, you'll be okay if you don't read the Bible. You'll be okay if you never learn a scripture. You'll be okay if you don't medicate, meditate. All right? You'll be okay as long as you just have a little tack on a Sunday here and this, that, and here. It's a lie, and you won't be okay. But in those times, you've got to know that that's when you draw near, like we should draw near every day. Hebrews 4.16, let us therefore draw near with confidence to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and may find grace to help us in our time of need. Because we have a Lord, we have a Savior who has already walked the walk that he's calling us to walk, guys. He's already made it possible. So to justify and say it's just too hard, to live for Jesus, unacceptable. To justify it and say, nobody knows how hard it is on me, <laughs> unacceptable. Because you know what, and here's what we're finding as a church as we get real and we get engaged in small group. And Man, we've been finding this out on Wednesday nights. It's been awesome. When you get real with one another, the devil will tell you you're the only one. You're the only one who's got issues. You're the only one that was raised in a crazy family. Ask him Wednesday night, I said, you know, has anybody just got that crazy person in your family, you know? And the one that didn't raise their hand, I said, sorry, but it's you. You know what I'm saying? Okay. But everybody's got some crazy. Everybody's got some dysfunction in their family. But rather than justifying that and becoming that dysfunction, you allow Christ to mold you and make you and God to make you into the image of his son and say, I'm not bringing that dysfunction 
my home. I'm not bringing that pride into my life. I'm going to humble myself. And I'm going to allow God to deal with the pains and the problems that have been injected into me. And I'm going to discuss them with somebody else that God's brought through it so I don't destroy those closest to me and allow the enemy to use it that way. See, but you gotta, you got to humble yourself. you got to be selfish. you got to quit following the devil's lies that people's going to think you messed up and jacked up. Do y'all get that? Do, do y'all look at me real close. We want God to change everybody. But the last thing we want dominating the spirit in this place is people who's got it all together and think they always have and they did it in their own ability. Jesus said, I didn't come for the well. I didn't come for everybody who had it all together. He said it and you nobody did, but the Pharisees thought they did. A lot of our churches today, they think they do. And they strut around with no humility. And Jesus said, I, I came for the sick. Every time I sing the songs of grace, I'm reminded that I was sick and sinned, and God gave me grace, God's riches at Christ's expense. And so Jesus is rewarded with the seat of honor. He's rewarded with a name above all names, and you know what? <laughs> He's rewarded with a spotless bride, a spotless bride. God, God's going to give him. God's going to give him all of that. We're going to be looking at next week when God looks over and says, son, I know you've been waiting. I know you fought the devil, the demons, and all hell itself. Conquered death, hell, and the grave. But he's going to lean over, and nobody knows when that is. Nobody knows when that is, except God the Father, and now even God the Son, that he's with God and not in human form anymore. There's an alignment. Only the Trinity knows it. And it's going to come that time when God says, go get your bride. Go get your bride. Now, as you bow your head and you close your eyes, I just want to ask you this. Are you a part of Jesus? And is Jesus a part of you? John 17, 12, in his high priestly prayer, while I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have guarded them, and none of them has been lost except the son of destruction. Talking about Judas referring to those that God gave him to walk with but also a representation of all disciples that the scripture might be fulfilled he says about his sheep that his sheep know him and know his voice he knows his sheep so are you in Christ and is Christ in you see the mistake that many make is many many try to get in the church to get to Jesus and what I mean by that is not just visiting the church. Many try to say, well, if I can just say I'm a member, well, then that connects me to Jesus. It'll never happen that way. Church membership never, will, never got anybody into the kingdom of God. You've got to come to Jesus first in this order. And then Jesus will come into your life when you die to yourself, confess your sins, ask Jesus to save you. He will do that based on the gift of faith that he's going to give you. But you've got to move in that. He won't force it on you. He's going to give you the gift of faith if you'll just move on it and receive it. And then he, you become a part of Jesus. Jesus becomes a part of you. And then he wants you to be a part of his church. To serve him. To serve him. So I don't know where you're at today, but he wants to wash you if you're not a part of him. 
and he wants to wash you if you're not a part of his church and put you in a place of service. Ephesians 5.27, last verse I close with. So that he, Christ that is, might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. So if you're in Christ and Christ is in you, you've got a reason to praise him right now in this time of response. But if you're here today and you say, Pastor, I do not have a relationship. And Pastor, pretty much all my life, what time I have even been around or, or been motivated to come to church, I've just got to tell you, it hasn't been the right motive. It really hasn't been the right motive, Pastor. It's either been for my spouse or my kids or my parents or, uh, or, or, or to see somebody else, but it, it has never been because I've been washed in the blood. I've been changed, and I, and I know what it's like to appreciate that God gave me grace, his riches at Christ's expense. There's never been a transformation in my heart, Pastor, but today that's going to change. Because I know God is drawing me to his truth, Jesus himself, and I know I'm turning it all over. If that's you and you want to turn it all over, and you've never turned it all over, you've never turned it all over with Jesus, to Jesus, for him to be in the center of your life. Tell him right there where you're at. Say, dear Lord Jesus, I know that I've never turned my whole life over to you. And I know the Spirit has shown me that. And I want you to know, Lord, I turn my whole life over to you today, confessing all my sins, asking for your forgiveness, and acting and moving in my heart and my mind towards you, accepting your gift of faith and salvation, and asking you to come into my heart and my life and be my Lord and Savior. I confess you as my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Can we give God glory for those who may have prayed that church, amen? Hey, here's what we're going to do. I want you to stand to your feet. Here's what we're going to do. If you prayed that prayer, number one, you've got to tell somebody, okay? You say, you trying to tell me what to do? Yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to tell you what to do, all right? Because that's what the Bible would have me do. I'm trying to heavily encourage you that you won't be able to keep it to yourself. You'll have to tell somebody. Now, we don't care how you communicate that. You can come tell me. I'll be over here. As a counselor, you can come tell me. You can come get on this altar and thank God and pray and tell God. You can take that card and write on there that you accepted Christ. But somewhere, you need to communicate that information to us as your pastor and elders so that we can guide you and shepherd you in the steps that you need to take. So, so if you were saved today, let us know. If you've been saved but you've never got your baptism on the right side of your salvation or never been baptized after your true salvation, let us know. Two weeks we'll be baptizing. We would love to add you to that list if you need to be baptized. If you want to join this church, let us know your desire to do that. The doors of this church are always open for people to come. And the prerequisites are is that you have a relationship with Christ. These are prerequisites for becoming a part of this local church that you've been baptized by immersion and if not we'll make we'll help you get to that point and then the third is just that you're doing the best knowing you're not perfect but you're doing the best to live for Jesus and there's no habitual continual sin pattern in your life that that's dominating you that would bring harm against God's church
in a divisive, destructive, disobedient way. Uh, that's just that's just the heartbeat. So come and share that with us if you'd like to do that. I'm going to ask the guys come to receive the offering right now as we just remain in a spirit of worship and response. And we're going to receive that today. I'll We'll be here after I say the final prayer in just a minute after we receive the offering. We'll be here uh, for you if we can help you in any way. And so... Um, Guys, if y'all will, go ahead and pass the buckets this morning. And uh, be faithful, be obedient, church family members. Guests, all we ask of you at this point, just give us that Guest Connect card. Um, faith family members, our guests, if we can pray for you, let us pray for you. Faith family members, just walk in true obedience to what God has called us to do as we praise, worship Him. Go out, find somebody this week, okay, that, that the Lord be sensitive and God will lay somebody on your heart to extend an invitation to, to witness to, to share your faith. Go out and do that, okay, this week and look for somebody and invite them uh, towards the Lord so that God can move in their life. Father, we love you. We praise you, God. Thank you, God, that you uh, are in this room. You've been here, Father God. Thank you that you are setting us free from, Lord, uh, sin. And, Lord, thank you that you are setting us free from this spirit of religion, God, that has that has gotten in the church, God, that is dishonoring you, Father. And I pray you, Lord, continue to weed and remove it out of this place. I pray, God, over the universal church, God, Lord, where that spirit is settled in, that you would remove it, Father God, Lord. And I just pray you to continue to build your church, God, for your glory, God, Lord. I just pray you'd encourage everyone, Father, that, Lord, you would edify, Lord, equip the saints, Father, Lord, so that we truly will go. God, and help people find direction in life, northeast, south, and west, God, through the cross of Jesus Christ for your glory. Bless this time together in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. All right, guys, love you. High five somebody, hug somebody. Have a wonderful Sunday.